Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that spotlights the companies, the people, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. Or said another way, the series that brings you tomorrow's companies today. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the media platform for retailers, by retailers, that is all about the future of omnichannel retailing. And today's podcast, Ann, fits squarely into the camp of being highly educational about a topic around which everyone in the C-suite should be articulate. And that is how to build the right technology infrastructure to improve shopping experiences today and that still provides scalability for the future. Got to get your notebooks out for this one. Yeah, this is this is this is get highly, your notes app open. This is a this is an 11 on the educational yes. scale and so joining us today to share their expertise on this topic are the Vice President and General Manager of Retail and Industry Solutions at HP, Corey McElroy, and the co-founder and CEO of Rafay, Hasib Budani. Corey and Hasib, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Anne. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we're excited to have you both. Um, I feel like Chris set you up to be. The, we're gonna have. Yeah, this I kind of, very... I kind of set the standard there, didn't I? Anne? Yeah, we're yeah. Very... high bar, yeah. high bar. Yeah. So I hope you brought your professorial tone to this podcast because <laughs> we're gonna need to to get our learn on here. Um, <laughs> I Corey, let's let's start before we get we get into the content. Um, let's start first with you, and I want to hear a little bit about your background and your position at HP because Vice President and General Manager of Retail and Industry Solutions is a big title at a big company. Tell us a little bit about your role and kind of what you're seeing brands and retailers invest in when it comes to tech. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks again for uh, for having us join. Excited about the session here. So as you mentioned, Vice President, General Manager of our RIS Retail and Industry Solutions team. Um, I personally do have a background working in retail. I, I work okay. in the office supply superstore uh, uh, in corporate and a number of marketing and merchandising positions. And so have a um, near and dear place in my heart for retail. Um, I, I've been supporting in various roles and capacities our retail and industry solutions business for about 10 years at HP. Oh, wow. And um, most recently over the past year plus um, as general manager and leading the business. Um, most simply, you know, our, our business is focused on supplying technology and powering solutions for uh, retailers. And, and also we focus on hospitality, whether it's quick service restaurants, lodging, um, and, and also areas such as pharmacy and healthcare and some of the kind of related adjacencies, if you will, to retail. Um, okay. and, and really it's around powering technology for whether it's associates or for customers and, and delivering kind of the next wave of customer experiences. And, and so that, you know, covers a pretty broad spectrum of sure. solutions and product categories, but uh, it's, it's an area we're passionate about at HP. Well, and, and what are you, what are, what themes are there kind of coming out of the pandemic? What have you been providing for those retailers that you've been working with? What are they asking Absolutely. for? You know, I mean, what we've seen as you, we've seen in many industries, right, is just an acceleration of areas where there might have been a roadmap, there might have been an initiative. Um, in some cases, it might have been a science project with some degree of focus. <laughs> and it was very quickly kind of thrust into the spotlight and, and then became a business necessity and an imperative. And so what we've seen is a lot of scramble to say, how do we turn these things that we had maybe ideated on to, to reality. And that's where, mm -hmm. you know, a global company like HP, it helps be able to deploy technology and solutions at scale. I mean, I think one of the first areas we all saw right away was things like curbside pickup, right. buy online pickup and store, and just this convergence of channels that, again, some had done and some were more um, sophisticated in their, their journeys, but 
it, it really became a necessity very early on. And then now in many cases, it's a matter of, okay, how do we go to the next level of building out these infrastructures to be more scalable, more modular, so that when the next wave of innovation comes up, we're ready to go and ready to adapt. Yeah, you you can't make the you can't make the like solar system out of the balls anymore. That's the, those, that kind of early pandemic <laughs> no. curbside pickup solar experiment. Got to get the two dot now. Yeah. Oh, that's was, awesome. Was the not, styrofoam balls. No, you're yeah. gonna need to step it up a little yeah. bit. That makes yeah. sense, Corey. But I but I love that analogy too because I like too. I can remember I can remember thinking back to our target days. Yeah. Where a lot of this stuff internally was probably looked at as science projects for sure. But now we've seen it all come to fruition across the landscape. So mm-hmm. it's now like I think Corey, like you said, a business necessity. So, so Corey, if I'm going to push you further on that, you know, my question to you are going down a little bit lower, like let's double click into that, like science projects into business necessities. What are some of those honest to God things that you are seeing or the efforts you're seeing retailers do right now in terms of actionable business initiatives that are on their roadmaps? Like where are retailers focusing in your mind? So I mentioned curbside. You know, I think that it is representative of a, a broader kind of area that we're seeing around the digitization of the physical environments. And again, okay. you know, we see parallels whether it's in retail or restaurants and and whatnot. But you know, one area I would say is um, also related to a broader trend we've seen on on labor shortages. And it's right. how can I deploy technology? A, a good example would be um, computer vision, camera based compute. How can I deploy this technology that certainly can enable a better customer, better shopper experience, but also that can make your store employees more productive and more effective. So it's kind of technology and service of humanity, right? It's where can I automate certain tasks, more routine functions to enable people to focus on what differentiates the retailers. Mm -hmm. And so some prime use cases that we see are are areas such as inventory management, a very labor intensive Mm -hmm. workflow where I'm going and I'm checking kind of item by item, shelf by shelf, so what like outs, looking, at, looking for outs and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And is the right product in the right place? And and why couldn't I use um, cameras to do that with its heavy computational requirements? But um, we, we have solutions for that, right? And so we're seeing retailers really focus on how can they deploy those and not just again in pockets of the store or one store in a lab, but how can we now do it at scale again to really offset some of the labor challenges? Yeah. And part of this too, right, is like some of the, you you hit computer vision, which is probably our favorite technology in, at OmniTalk, quite mm-hmm. honestly, right, Ann? I mean, we talk about it as much as much we can. And and so the the labor shortage is one thing, but I mean, part of the, the great thing about that technology too, is it can scale to do many different things at once, right? So you've got inventory management as a part of it, I'm sure. What what else are you seeing retailers use it for at this stage? Absolutely. Loss prevention is another one, right? Loss prevention. And, and, right. Whether deliberate or unintentional, but you know, how, how can we really reduce shrink, which we know has a significant impact to the bottom line, um, queue management, right? And, and mm. so we talk about tracking um, inventory and products, but also just in general, people do, I have a backlog creating an aisle two and I need to be more prescriptive about turning on aisle three, yeah. right? Because otherwise people walk, they leave. That has a very, you know, real tangible impact to the bottom line. And so, um, you know, we, we see some of these and, and some retailers, again, are more further along kind of in, in that journey, but um, it, it's not going anywhere. In fact, it's accelerating the pace and, and the use cases um, that need computer vision and local high performance compute to, to process this data real time. So you're saying it's there. I mean, this is this is computer vision is really where the focus is that you're seeing retailers start to put towards some of these what were previously science projects. Okay, that's good to know. 
Yeah, I think it makes sense too when you're thinking about everything that Corey just said. We we've been hearing that from retailers, from brands. Yeah. Like these are the foundational elements they need to get in place. And to hear Corey say, you know, now it's about do you have the systems and the the hardware to support this happening? And we always hear AP and inventory management. Those are the yeah. first two things that we always hear when we talk about that type of deployment too. Right. So. Well, you see an immediate return. Mm-hmm. Um, Hasib, I want to bring you into the conversation here. When you hear the things that Corey's describing, the efforts that they've got underway, what comes into your mind and how does Rafay fit into this discussion? Yeah, so this is my perspective on enterprises in general and uh, our friends at HP have been um, you know, really helping us understand a market that frankly, I did not personally understand. My, my, my focus has been traditionally kind of classic enterprise, but HP's really kind of opened my eyes to the following. Whether you are a large bank or a healthcare organization or a retailer, uh, the trends around modernization are about the same across the industry right now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of fascinating to see that how, how horizontal a problem this is or, 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 or an initiative this is whereby you know, people are trying to deliver more capabilities faster to their end customers, consumers, you know, employees, associates in this case, for example, and the reality is, I don't know what application I'm going to need in six months, but I need the right infrastructure right now. Because if I got to you know, build something right now, and then six months later, I have a net new application coming up, and I have to redo my infrastructure, that's a massive investment. And this is something that was, frankly, not true 18 months ago, right? People were not mm-hmm. thinking like this, but now the pace at which folks are delivering new applications, you know, these microservices-based applications is honestly talking, right? So I just, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking as a CEO of a startup. I didn't think this market would be moving this fast. Huh. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you hear a startup say that, right? Like, right. It's, it's shocking how fast <laughs> That's true, it's actually, yeah. Right? But it's, I mean, we can't keep up, right? Because we don't have enough solution architects. We keep scrambling to hire people uh, to meet up, uh, keep up with the, with the demand of our customers who are modernizing their applications. And as everybody's modernizing, and there's, there's, a, there's a component uh, or a, an orchestration engine that, of course, all of us on this call have heard about, but it, it turns out even, you know, um, you know, every CIO that I talk to, right, they seem to be familiar with this concept called Kubernetes. Right. Uh, Kubernetes is this uh, orchestration engine that was invented by Google. It's this beautiful piece of technology uh, that once you have it working well, it's awesome. But to get there, is a, it's a climb. Everybody starts by you know modernizing their applications, and then they say, "Well, I've you know I've seen a bunch of videos about this. I've seen a bunch of I read a bunch of blogs. This is not that hard. I can do this on my laptop. It's easy." <laughs> okay, but then you got you know hundreds of stores, or thousands of stores, or locations, right? And now you have a distribution problem, right? right. A lot of people get caught up with this word called edge computing. If you've heard this phrase, yep. and maybe we yep. could use this phrase. You know, there's edge and there's cloud, and you know people have been writing about is the edge eating the cloud, and in all these ideas. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But what, what's more interesting is, I, I think the big trend that I'm seeing in HP is truly underscoring this for us, right? And for the customers is this idea of distribution. Applications that were traditionally running in a, like a data center or two are now running in hundreds of thousands of locations. Some of those locations happen to be cloud. Okay? Some of them happen to be a network edge. Some of them happen to be a store. It's all good. But then now you have a distribution problem and then when it comes to distribution, how are you going to manage application deployment, upgrades, lifecycle management, governance, access management, all of these things that come with the operational 
requirements, right? These are all operational challenges. And this is our focus. At Rafe, uh, we're in the general Kubernetes space, but I say this to a lot of folks who are joining our company because they, they kind of see the word Kubernetes on the website. So we're not a Kubernetes company. We're a Kubernetes operations company. Kubernetes is a solved problem. People have done this enough. Google's invented this. Amazon has a free one. Azure has a free one. We're a Kubernetes operations company because every single customer that we work with, either directly as Rafe or as we work with our partners on this, on this aspect, they all are essentially investing in a platform organization to make the lifecycle management of their kind of this modern infrastructure at, at the edge or in the cloud easy to manage. And then also commensurately make the app deployment of applications easier to manage. And we provide those things as a service here at Graphic. So my customer can be up and running with new applications in a remote location or thousands of remote locations now versus invest in you know, these critical resources that are impossible to hire. I mean, Kubernetes expertise is so hard to find. Even for us, it's so hard to find. Right. Then you have to hire these people and then take off these recruiters, they charge lots of money. And then you have to build a platform and then you have something to show. The issue is time to market. So Corey underscored the, the pace at which new uh, requirements are popping up in the retail and hospitality space. If you have to deploy, I'm making it up. Let's say I need to deploy an application in my stores uh, to see who's wearing a mask or not, because there's mm -hmm. a government regulation. Can you wait a year? Can you wait uh, six months? No. Right. There, there's now, let's say, a municipality somewhere who says, I man mandate that you have to check mm -hmm. for this. Are you going to rely on your associates? My God, you're going to give them more work to do? They're already yeah. tired, right? And now, you can, now they have to be your, your police for, for, for masks. No, use software. So if you need to deliver this now in a week, you cannot hire people and then invest in the infrastructure and then on and on and on. This right. needs to happen now. There's this renaissance of new applications in retail and hospitality. It's actually fascinating to watch. Of course, we're learning at the behest of our, you know, our, our friends at HP, but it is what a, what a great time to be you know, working on technology that helps this specific sector. Right. And that's a great use case too, because it shows you the differences in software requirements by municipality or mm -hmm. by location. So right. And getting back to the educational bit on this too, I want to I want to press you guys too, and I want to press you guys for our audience, and I want to give you a hypothetical now, okay? So, and I'm going to borrow from what Corey said. I'm going to borrow Hasib what you said a little bit too. So, let's pretend now, and I've always wanted to do this actually. Let's pretend I'm a grocer, and I want to use computer vision for some inventory monitoring, maybe some price accuracy, and then maybe I even want some computer vision sprinkled in at my check lanes to my self checkout machines actually to help me with uh, with AP with yeah, theft deterrence, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How should I approach that? Or better yet, is, is there a right way and a wrong way to go about trying to do that? Hasib, why don't you start? Yeah. So the first thing that I would recommend people think about is um, the counterintuitive thing in this industry is, hey, let me go experiment. This market four or five years ago, it was early enough that it was actually useful to experiment. I think it was a competitive advantage to experiment, right? Because oh, I was just doing that, right? Hmm. But now uh, there's an industry that's formed around solving these problems, right? So my recommendation would be, you know, HP or the likes of HP, they are thinking about this at scale, right? I would recommend strongly, right? You have these, these large partners, all of these retailers work with one of these kind of big stuff, you know, tech with your larger uh, kind of, you know, partners, right? Or on hardware infrastructure, most of these hardware companies are actually kind of going up the stack and solving these problems for you. And in fact, in many cases are building verticalized solutions 
so, so that you know, there's essentially like a menu of capabilities that you can actually acquire from many partners out there who are building these kind of verticalized solutions. So that, mm-hmm. number one, that's my, that's my recommendation. Ask around. If you are thinking of a problem as a grocer today, it's already solved. Somebody's already done it. The question is, you know, how do you leverage that, right? Because now, by the way, in my opinion, it's a competitive disadvantage to try and do these things in house. Why do you want to do it? It's, it's a commodity now. Commodity, by the way, does not mean free. It doesn't mean easy. It means everybody is doing it. Right. Right. So if everybody's doing it, what is the upside of doing it yourself? Buy it. Right. It's available. So that's number one, right? And I'm, I'm trying to not talk about the technology and features and whatnot. That's not important. The point is, this is now essentially an industry-wide effort. You may not know it yet because maybe you're just starting to think about it, but there's, there's a, like you, you mentioned an example, right? So uh, yeah. uh, Corian team have, um, you know, a, as an example, uh, one of the, another thing I've learned from them is there are solutions out there that can track, for example, how many people are queuing up in a store so that they can give the heads up to the manager saying, open up a new aisle, for example, or, like right. a, or check yeah, a right. counter. Yeah, right? like and that before, actually yeah. helps with optimization of how many people should be waiting. Because that, that's the thing I hate about going to the grocery store. Uh, by the way, I always use the, uh, uh, the self-checkout, but yeah. you know what? I always mess it up. And then I got to <laughs> say, excuse me, sorry. I don't know what I'm doing here, right? Those are, this is me as a consumer, right? So I don't like getting in line, but then I'll do it myself. I'm okay with that. Firstly, I'd like a discount for that, please, because I'm doing it myself. But then second, hey, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed every time I, I mess something up. Is there a way where, you know, maybe there's, there's AI that probably figures out, okay, this stupid guy always comes and he always makes the same mistake, right? And then maybe help me out a little bit. That's what I would like as a consumer of these technologies. But look, this is not possible because it turns out both of those problems have been solved already. Right. There are companies that, again, Korean team have sort of, you know, introduced us into that are doing exactly that. And what does that mean then as you think about, and maybe Corey, if you want to jump in here too, like what does that mean in terms of thinking about this for scale? Because I think your point has seems right. Like people are already solving these problems. And so you're going to have to decide which of these software solutions you're going to deploy at these locations. And so that's going to become very complicated if you don't think about how to do that in the right manner. That's, that's my big takeaway, the lesson I've learned, you know, and getting to know you guys a little bit. Yeah. You know, and maybe one of the things I would add to it, absolutely. Everything Haseeb mentioned is true. And just to put a finer point on it, the, the labor shortages apply everywhere, right? Haseeb talked mm-hmm. about hiring talent. Right. I talked about labor shortages in store, but IT should be thinking about it the same way that how can we find others to help augment what we're trying to do? And I talked about, you know, automate in the store context, automate kind of what you can and then allow your people to focus on what differentiates you. The same applies on internal resource development. How do you think about the business problems you're trying to solve and don't feel like you have to staff up for every technical uh, requirement that you have on your roadmap? Instead, by moving to more of a microservices architecture, more flexible, scalable architecture, and leveraging containers and cloud native, then you're not worried about some of the, the competing objectives that you might otherwise have. You don't have to figure out 100% what's gonna be kind of done on premise, local at the edge or in the cloud. And you realize that you can scale up and down more flexibly. You can invite in third parties, you can invite in maybe more boutique solution providers, but now you have a platform that's built to scale, right. it's modular, and it can adapt. And then, you know, where there's in-house applications you want to build and land on it, those can now work well together um, versus having to think about kind of these bespoke solutions that, that maybe we've seen retailers focus on for all good reasons historically 
but the next wave is going to require a lot more flexibility and scalability in architecture. Mm-hmm. Now, Corey, I mean, are there examples that you can think of without naming names specifically of retailers, but of people who are, are doing what you're saying, they're doing it well, or even not so well, like what are some of the, those kind of scenarios, especially when we're talking about, you know, some, some problems that might arise with, you know, that the refi might help in, in aiding these retailers and brands. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of examples. I think, you know, some you, you see maybe an extreme example of where uh, computer vision and, and high performance compute is really revolutionizing the, the frictionless shopping experience, right? You can right. think about all the way to the end of um, I, I walk in, I'm automatically identified, you know, uh, opting into an experience. And then um, the entire checkout experience is, is seamless as I grab products and I walk out. Mm-hmm. I think that, that um, you know, we're seeing and adapting of certain, you know, we'll call it large format retailers that are finding opportunities in certain parts of the store to modernize um, and, and adapt some of these use cases. And then they're, they're growing and building upon it. So let, let's just say uh, one example of where we're seeing in, in a mass merchant type of environment where the, the produce may be more challenging to use computer vision, right? Right, right. And so you carve it aside and you say, you know, it's okay. We don't have to solve for produce right now. But instead, we're going to solve for where there's identifiable tags, labels on the consumer, you know, packaged goods section of the store. And so a number of our our, um, customers are specifically focusing on that part of it and optimizing that. And they're seeing real benefits of of streamlining 20 percent, 30 percent of the Mm -hmm. store. But that's tangible difference, right, in these Mm -hmm. large stores at the scale that we're talking about. So these are examples where you don't have to, sure, you can look at a vision of where you want to ultimately go, but you don't have to get there day one to, sure. to get very real benefits um, in, in an operational capacity. And so I, well, I want to hit the converse of that too, Corey. So like, and Hasib, jump in here too, but like what happens when they, you don't think about it the right way though? Yeah. That's what like, that's what I want retailers to really understand yeah. too. Like what, yeah. maybe Hasib, what are, what are, what are the pitfalls that they are going to encounter if they, if they don't start to think about it like this? Where are the rubs? So the, I think the biggest sort of um, what goes wrong in these environments has to do with time. Right? time. I mean, it takes forever, right? So you're going to try a bunch of experiments. Um, when most teams start working on this broader project, they don't know what they don't know. Right? There's, no, mm-hmm. there's no manual for this, right? Nobody's, there's no... Well, I'm sure there's a Kubernetes for dummies, but it actually doesn't really talk about all the things that, that now we've seen. And there's, a, there's something for dummies for everything, I'm sure. Um, but, but people learn by doing, right, for the most part, right? And the smarter the team, the more inclined they are to solve the problem themselves, and then they learn the pitfalls, and then, you know, it just takes time, right? But while we are all learning, our, you know, our employer is actually not benefiting. Right? And that's the issue, right? So I think fundamentally, it's really important to understand that you have to work backwards from a timeline. I got to get this out by this date. What are my options? Maybe you got two years, take all the time you need. If you got like a month or two months or three months, if you're going to start building now, and of course you got to hire people, that's just not going to happen, right? I think time to market is a critical thing that basically um, sometimes you forget, right? Because in the heat of the moment while we're building stuff, right? It's exciting to build stuff, right? But then you forget that there was a goal to begin with. This is why we were doing this in the first place. And mm-hmm. I, the, the phrase I said before, you know, competitive disadvantage versus advantage, I truly believe this, that 
you know, it was indeed an, an advantage to do these things in-house four or five years ago. It is no longer an advantage. Your competitors right. are already buying. And if you're going to build while your competitors have deployed and, and already operating solutions, how are you better off if you're going to build this over the next year, 18 months, 24 months? Mm -hmm. That's the part, right? So trying to market that is impacted. And uh, this, this is where I tell every customer that I speak with, first question I ask them once they, once they agree on technology is, when does this need to be up and running? Let's talk about that first. And if you don't have clarity on that, I don't know, man, take a couple of years, go for it. But if you have clarity on when you need this out there, let's start there and work backwards. And then let's talk about what are the, what are the things you're gonna go through as a team to get there? Because I see this a lot, and we have this very nice slide that we use in our, in our presentation. We say, look, most people start by thinking, all I gotta do is build a Kubernetes cluster. How hard is that? It's not that hard. But then I gotta manage it and I gotta manage the blueprint and is there drift happening and who has access to it? And can I get the logs out? And I deployed an application, but the hem chart broke. And oh, but I mean, you also think about policy management and uh, network <laughs> policy management. Oh, but I that have not like one app, but yeah. 20 apps. And now you got this massive jigsaw. How many people are you gonna need now? Yeah, right. You can not just day one, right? So you're gonna learn on the job. It's fine, but your employer is suffering. There was yes. a goal to begin with. What was that goal? That North Star, you forgot about. It. Not that right. because you're not doing your job, it just, this is what happens, right? We're learning on the job. That's where it's, it's, it's prudent to have this, you know, kind of build versus buy conversation. Of, right? In fact, force teams to prove that I must build. Go the other way. Before, mm. you, the default That's was DIY, and then right. maybe I'll buy something split the model on your teams, Mr. CIO or Madam CIO. Why am I not buying first? I'm buying everything else. Are you, are you still building data centers or are you going to the cloud? Why are you going to the cloud? Why don't you just build it? Same thing applies here. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, Ask the question first. Yeah. Well, are you sure we should be doing this in-house? Are you sure there's nothing available? Prove to me that there's nothing available out there from yeah. the likes of whatever Rafi or HP that can solve these problems. And if we find nothing in the world that solves our problems, okay, all right, let's go figure this out ourselves. Right, right. No, and the other the other point I take away the, the time piece too, and time ultimately is money. Um, and the other part I thought too is, and is there a podcasting for dummies? Because if there's not, I think we could write that book pretty pretty, oh pretty easily, pretty straightforward. In our spare time, you thought that was this Haseeb. Never. Hey, we resemble that remark, Haseeb. All right, uh, let's get you guys both out of here on this. I'm curious, what are your parting uh, parting words that you might have for retailers? Um, you know, as they're trying to do this, they're trying to change their science projects from science projects into actionable, actionable business initiatives. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, as they're thinking about this, not just today, but five to 10 years down the line, Hasib, why don't you go first? What, what's your parting word of wisdom here in addition to what you just said? I think, I think it's a really hard problem to solve. It, it is, right? In fact, the things that I'll now recognize around what this stack actually looks like versus what I thought it was going to look like four years ago when this was a you know a twinkle in our eyes, mm -hmm. collectivized. Yeah, man, this is this is a crazy hard problem to solve, right? I mean, we have so many people working on this problem in our own company, um, and it's okay, right? I mean, it's okay to realize that this is hard. This is a lot of work. It does a lot of value, but this is really, really, really hard, right? And there's a whole community of of other people who are doing this. There's a community of vendors that are solving these problems. I mean, yes, we, there's cooperation, but there's cooperation for a reason, right? We have to mm -hmm. learn from each other. We got to talk, right? We do a whole lot of first meetings that nothing happens in a year. And then, because they're, right. they're learning and that's okay, right? We're here to help you, right? In fact, one of the plugs I would make is if you're thinking about this problem, hey, look, I, I do a lot of these first meetings with companies where I don't invite any of the sales team. 
because the point is, yeah, there's nobody here in sales. I'm not a sales guy. I'm just an engineer. Let's have a conversation about what problems are being solved out there. And then at some point in the future, if you want to talk to us, yeah, then we'll bring in a salesperson. We don't yeah. need to do it right now because we got to, that's how I learn. Maybe that's how you could learn. Talk yeah. more. That's how they figure out their timelines, right? How soon they need yeah. to get something deployed to see if like you were right. saying earlier, you, you get them to start working backwards in that first meeting. Yeah. How about you, Corey? What's your parting words? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think very similar theme with Haseeb in that, you know, oftentimes you build a roadmap and you say success is I'm going to go deliver kind of every step of that roadmap and I've got clarity and, and, and we're going to get there five years and, and it's going to be um, kind of right on track. And, and there are so many pivots along the way, right? And you learn along the way and you've got to build a culture. So for those that, that are managing teams and, and large organizations, it starts at the top. You have to build a culture of acceptance that there will be learnings along the way. There's some we won't get right. And, and we have to be able to, to kind of create that learning environment and adapt. And so you, uh, the key part of that is getting started. It, it's, you know, again, finding some specific opportunities to to really push forward, but know that it's not going to go exactly as planned. Um, and, and why, you know, we um, certainly recommend kind of reaching out where there's opportunities to help out, but it's a big ecosystem, right? And so, so look to help for others. Don't kind of close the walls and say, we've got to go do this on our own. Um, we're, we're gonna, it's going to be a collective journey. We're going to learn along the way and, and create that culture um, where you can freely talk about kind of what, what worked well and we can accelerate. Or where do we need to pivot and mm-hmm. and adjust plan accordingly? Corey, one thing I want to ask you too in closing, because you you brought up the analogy in the beginning, the science project term that I think we probably said now six, seven, <laughs> half dozen times. Yes. You know, as as you think about those on the roadmap, I think, you know, in my mind as I'm thinking about this to close out the interview, is is a lot of times that gets equated with technology specifically. Like, hey, we're gonna deploy this tech to do this. Is and a lot of what we've said here could get you into that mindset too. Is is that the right way to approach it? Or, you know, am I missing something? And should we take it back, you know, up a level, like to, you know, the use case or the customer experience down the line? Like, what's your parting words on that question? I think absolutely the technology should be kind of the last part of the discussion, right? Okay. I mean, it really needs to be around kind of what's the use case, what's the experience. And, and when I talk about experience, it's not just for the shopper. Uh, oftentimes, right. again, Employees the associate too. experience, right. the employee experience. Um, sometimes is, is taking a backseat. And so it's really focused on what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What does success look like? And, you know, we oftentimes just kind of put ourselves in the shoes a lot of time walking in retail environments and saying, why, 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 how can I make it better talking to the employees? And so I would highly encourage all of you just get out there, talk to the frontline employees, put your day in the life of and question things. And then at the end of the day, there, there will be some technology response and answer right. to that problem. Um, even if it might look different than what you originally had on your innovation roadmap that you put forth. So I think technology and, should absolutely take the backseat in, in the entire dialogue. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great nugget here to close too. And I think like, cause you know, I'm thinking of like project roadmaps on the whiteboard and, you know, you see, you could easily see how it'd be, let's deploy computer vision right. for, you know, whatever, but it should really be, how do we manage inventory better? How do we get better inventory? Actually, computer vision is a part of that, that we're looking at. Or what that, are the real problems that we're hearing right. from our, our store associates and how do we, what's the approach to solving those? I love that. Corey. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. All right. Corey and Asiba, if people want to get in touch with you guys and learn more, like what's the best way for them to do that? Corey, why don't we start with you? Yeah, LinkedIn. It's easiest LinkedIn. to find me, uh, Corey Mackerel. I don't think there are many on LinkedIn and, and certainly look for uh, the one that works at HP and, and be happy <laughs> to connect um, with, with all of you. Uh, really excited about the follow-on and, and the conversation that we're just now getting started. 
Awesome. Yeah, HP down in Texas. All right, Hasib, how about you? Uh, Hasib Badani on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I guarantee there's no no other Hasib Badani <laughs> in the entire world. That name is unique. So you're not going to find another one. It's that 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 one that you found that is me. Uh, oh, look, wow. I mean, particularly folks who are thinking about this. Uh, I'm happy to make time and just have a conversation, right? So my family link is on LinkedIn. Just, just book a time. Wow. I'm happy to talk to you because uh, I mean this is the only way I frankly learn, right? And uh, I know now that. There's so much more to be done in this industry. I need to keep learning. And the only way I learn is talking to real people doing real things versus just me talking to other vendors. We don't learn anything. Right? So I'm, I'm eager to kind of engage with more people. And in the process, hopefully we'll all benefit each other. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. And that closes us up today, Ann. I yeah. think that concludes this great interview. Hope you found it very educational as I did, especially towards the end in the middle part as we were planning. So on behalf of Corey and Asib and Ann and myself, we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And of course, as always, be careful out there.